This afternoon I preach to you God's Word, as found in Hebrews 12, the verses 1 through 3. And when we look at this text this afternoon, we'll, what comes to mind is something that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 4, when he said there, For everything written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So Paul is saying that, and then when you, you consider the fact that he says scriptures here, then he's thinking about the Old Testament as he writes this. He's saying that there are many in the Old Testament, many saints of the Old Testament, that as you look to, and many events as you look to in the Old Testament scriptures, we are encouraged to endure and are given hope. And that's what the author to the Hebrews is also writing about here. He's also making reference to the godly saints, the men and women of the Old Testament who ran the race of faith and life and completed it and were victorious. Now, brothers and sisters, one of the best ways to develop endurance in our lives, in our race of faith, so to speak, to be encouraged in our faith life is to look to the scriptures. It's to look to the godly men and women of the scriptures who ran the race and won. So for example, if you are having problems in your family, there's strife in your family. If your brothers and sisters or your children or parents are giving you trouble, then the message is, look, for example, to Joseph. Read the story of Joseph and see how he endured in such a scenario, such a situation. Or another example, if you, if you find that your task or your job is just too big for you, and you, can't, you think you can't do it, then the Bible's saying here in our text, study Moses. Read about what he had to deal with and how he overcame a task that was too big for him. Or the prophet Jeremiah, who didn't want to do what the Lord asked of him and see how he endured. Or if you're in a situation where someone has hurt you or offended you and all you want to do is retaliate, then our text is saying, look at David. What did David do? when he faced this problem? How did he handle it? So that's what the author to the Hebrews is teaching us in our text. And then when we consider this, we can also say that the author doesn't then only have in mind the Old Testament believers anymore, although that is certainly uh, the most of the witness that he speaks of. But at his time, he can already begin to think of New Testament witnesses, like John the Baptist, for example, or, or some of the apostles, how they lived their life of faith in Jesus Christ. But if there's any figure at all that the author to the Hebrews has in mind, and that's what he refers to in our text, if there's any greater great witness of all, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text says, 
look to Jesus especially for encouragement in our faith life so we can have hope. So with that in mind, let's read our text. Hebrews 12, beginning of verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This afternoon, brothers and sisters, I preach to you the word of God under this theme and heads. Let us run with endurance the race that is marked out for us. That's the, the theme. Let us run with endurance the race that is marked out for us. And we'll see two things in this light. First, that we are to lay aside everything that hinders our run. And secondly, that we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So to run with endurance, the race God marks out for us, we must first of all lay aside everything that hinders us, that hinders our run. Our life can be compared to a race the author to the Hebrews is teaching us. Yes, our life of faith is like a race, he says. When we believe, when we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we seek to live out that life that he has purchased for us, then it's like we're running a race. In the scriptures, we can read in other places about how the, the life of faith is like a walk. We think of Psalm 1, for example, that we are walking in the paths of righteousness. Well, here, the author shows that life is like a race. And then he has a very specific image in mind as well. He's thinking about the foot race. He's thinking about those special, organized events where where athletes compete against each other to run a race. And we know that because he brings in this image of spectators who are seated around this race to watch it. In those days, in the days of our author, there were athletes who complete, competed in local stadiums. And spectators would then sit in rows of seats around. It's not very much unlike today where we might go to a sporting event and where we would, would be seated around that event. Now, in the days of the Bible, in the days of our author, the sports of, of that time involved a lot of pagan excess. And so Christians normally would not get involved in, in these kinds of events, but, but they were familiar enough with them and familiar with the imagery that, that the author to Hebrews can also use it to bring his point across. So I said, 
<laughs> the image is that of a foot race in front of spectators. It was probably, and even today you see that in Olympic events, it's probably the most popular event of sports in his day. Uh, Paul would also speak of boxing as another example to, to, to really bring home this idea of what our life of faith is like. Now, the stadium in those days was not exactly like we would know a stadium today, which tends to be in an oval shape, and the track on which the athletes would run would be like a, an oval. In those days, the running track would be a straight line, one way, and then there would be a turnpike, and then the athletes would run the other way back to the finish line. And that gives to us the idea and the image that the finish line is right beside the starting line. There would perhaps be a fence or posts in the center of the racetrack so that the athletes went on one side around the turnpike and back. But the runner, especially as he's about to begin his race and as he turns that corner, can see the finish line. He could also see the podium on which the athletes would stand, especially the winners. So this image is brought to the fore here. The, the race or the, the life of faith is like a race. And we see this imagery elsewhere in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 9, for example... Uh, Paul writes, do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So there's that exact image as well. And we also read something similar, uh, something alluded to as well in 2 Timothy 4, where it says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. Well, that's a reference to the boxing match or wrestling match. But then he says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And then the last example I want to show is what we read together in Philippians 3. In verse 14, it says there, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is bringing up the imagery here that he hasn't reached the finish line. He hasn't already obtained the prize, but he is pressing on. He's running on to get to that prize. So the race of life, the spiritual race, that God calls us to in Jesus Christ, like a real race, has a finish line. It has a prize. It has a crown of eternal life. And that imagery is also in Scripture. When a runner would complete the race, and if he would win the race, then he would stand on a podium, and they would place on him a crown, a wreath of olive leaves to show uh, the distinction of, of the great feat that he had completed. And that was uh, something that he would take with him and would be uh, a distinction of honor all his life.
He would have a medal, a gold or silver or bronze medal, as it were. And the spiritual race has such a prize, but not an earthly, mundane prize, but a heavenly prize. We run the race to that prize. And our author, the author of Hebrews in our text now says, as you run that race, as you run towards that finish line, as you run for that prize, you need to persevere. Or as it says in our text, you need to endure. You need to remain faithful. You need to persist. That's a promise our covenant God gives us, brothers and sisters, in our lives. That God promises that we can endure in this life. He will bring his people through all the difficulties and concerns of life. In fact, he will even use those difficulties and concerns of life to help us grow in perseverance so that we can reach the promised destiny, the promised prize, which is life forevermore. And our text says then, a very important component of this endurance is that we get rid of things, that we drop what hinders you, put away what drags you down. Or the author says, to throw off or lay aside everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles. The author is actually making a reference to the clothes that um, an athlete would wear, uh, first of all. And if you know anything about the competition of ancient Greece and of the ancient world, then you know they would drop a lot of clothes in order to run. And that was perhaps also one of the reasons why the Christians would stay away from such events. For there was such a glorying of the human body. But the imagery is certainly there. It was certainly useful to drop clothes and anything that could cause the run to be hindered. Another uh, thing that comes to mind is physical condition. For when we run a race, if we were in the, the position where we have to run a physical race, where we have to run somewhere, then uh, first of all, uh, sportswear will help us. But furthermore, our physical condition would be of importance. It's important to drop extra body weight or fat in order to gain an endurance. Anything that might be bulky has to be removed because it hinders the race we run. Now, what does the author to the Hebrews mean when he talks about that? When he says that we should get rid of or lay aside everything that hinders our run. Well, he's speaking spiritually, of course, when he talks of laying aside every weight. Because he says, let next, and sin, which clings so closely. Some of the weights, some of the impediments that hinder us in our running the race are things that we read about in Philippians 3. 
For example, the whole matter of seeking God's favor through good works. He talks about those dogs, those who are circumcised, the circumcision party, who really weighed down the Christians of, of that day in Philippi by teaching that you have to do good works in order to earn God's favor, that you have to do something in addition to God's grace, that God's grace is enabling you to do good works for salvation. They taught that salvation in some way relies on what we do. And if we think like that, brothers and sisters, if we try to make amends for the things we have done wrong, and in that sense, seek God's favor, that will hinder our race of faith. It will hinder us to the point where we will feel like we are failing God. Another impediment is referred to earlier in Hebrews. In Hebrews 10, verse 33 and 34, we read... Well, I'll read verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being, part, sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. What is the author referring to? He's referring to the fact that these saints and Hebrews were not afflicted by fear and anxiety, fear for being persecuted for their faith or being attacked by the enemy. They did not consider the loss of life or the confiscation of their property on the basis of their faith, because of their faith, as a problem. Now, that's something that I could say would hinder my faith, that just the fact that you stand up for the truth, that you speak the truth, especially in public, you say what God's Word teaches, that you face ridicule, you face persecution, that sometimes that holds me back. How is it for you? How do you run the race in the prospect of being ridiculed and insulted because of your faith and what you believe? Is it not so, brothers and sisters, that we often find ourselves more afraid of people than we are of God. Fear, anxiety can slow us down. And then something the author himself specifically mentions in our text is, as I already mentioned, the sin that clings so closely. Like a, a robe that tangles up our legs so that we can't seem to, to get going in our life of faith and we feel so dragged down where sin and temptation trip us up. Our Lord Jesus refers to this when he says in Luke 21, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, 
and the anxieties of life. Or as Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 8, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. How often does it happen, brothers and sisters, that when we fall into these things, that we say something harsh towards our wife, or when we give the silent treatment to our husband, or when we don't tell the whole truth to our parents, that we feel guilty and we feel bad and, and we feel like we just can't do this. What God requires of us is sin slows us down. Pride, laziness, false teaching, addiction, covetousness. These things impede the life of faith. And the author to the Hebrews is saying, avoid them. Avoid these things. And you will experience the joy of the life of faith towards your master. You will be free to live your lives to the glory of God more and more. So put aside that which hinders. That's what we've seen. But our text says more. And that's what we now consider in the second point. Not only put aside what hinders, but look ahead or look toward the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's what we see now in the second point. Putting aside these weights and impediments, we're now called to run with faith in Jesus Christ, the one who has run the race for us. That's what faith is. That's the most important point of faith as expressed in the chapter previous in Hebrews 11, that famous chapter about the, the saints who have run the race. That's the context of our text. Faith is linking the reality today of our lives, faith life, to the final prize which cannot be seen. In Hebrews 11, we read more than 20 times the expression by faith or through faith. In other words, it is through faith in Jesus Christ that will enable us to endure. Now in Hebrews 11, there's reference made to many examples of running the race. And these are the cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us as we read in chapter 12. These are the many witnesses, the great multitude, the crowd of people that has completed the race. And of course, in that imagery of the stadium, you can imagine then that great crowd around that race, the great cloud of witnesses. Now it's in this light, it's this aspect of our text that is sometimes misinterpreted. Sometimes it is thought here in Hebrews 12 that the idea is as those who have run the race before us, and in particular in the context of our verses, the Old Testament saints that have died in faith, 
these heroes of the faith of chapter 11, that they are now somewhere in the clouds of heaven watching down on us as we compete in the race of life. That they are somehow witnessing what we are doing and how we are living and how we are fighting the good fight of the faith and running the race of faith. But, but that's not what is meant here by being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The word witness here is, in, in the original, is the word from which our word martyr comes from. So literally it says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of martyrs. And of course, what brought about martyrdom? How did these people become martyrs? How did so many in, in Hebrews 11 suffer, starting at verse 36, for example, suffer mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, that they were stoned, they were sawn in two, that they were killed with a sword, that they went about in skins and of sheep and goats and destitute and afflicted and mistreated. How is it that they wandered about in deserts and mountains and in dens and, and in caves of the earth? It was because they ran the race of faith, because they witnessed of God and of, of the Lord and of His love and of His mercy and of His... And they confessed their sins and put their trust in God alone. They witnessed of the Lord. It's those witnesses that surround us. They're not watching what we're doing, but they are examples to us, bearing witness that God will help us also through our race. They are examples that urge us on to continue the race. They are witnesses of God and of Christ Jesus. And so as a good athlete does, he doesn't look in the crowd and, and, and watches those witnesses, but he listens to those witnesses. He hears their cheers. He hears their witnessing of Jesus Christ. He's not distracted, but he's urged on by their witness. His focus, the athlete's focus, must be on the Lord Jesus. We are to concentrate on him, on his life. We are to, that is, look to the finish line and to the podium. We're to look to Jesus, who is the author of our faith, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. We're to look to him who has entered into the heavenly sanctuary and opened a new and living way for us that leads to that sanctuary, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10. We're to look to him who endured far more than any of the heroes of faith. He is the basis and also the perfect example to follow. For he endured the cross. He bore our shame. He suffered alone in our place for all of our sins. In his suffering, Jesus visibly demonstrated faith and trust in God. As it says in John 17, he endured and finished the work the Father gave him to do. He is the head and he will bring us and so encourages us to the finish line as well. Jesus is the basis and the great example of our race 
in whom is our hope. So the author to the Hebrew says, look to Jesus, look to him. That's describing an attitude of faith. It means that we are continually setting before ourselves Jesus' great example and accomplishment. And that is our encouragement. We're looking to him for direction, for assistance, for acceptance in all our sufferings. That is, we're not looking at ourselves. To do that, to rely on ourselves, will make us weary and discouraged. Then we'll say, I can't do this. But when we look to Jesus Christ, He will renew our strength. He will burst our courage, boost our courage. Knowing what He has done, we will remain steadfast in our life in His strength. We will pray daily and constantly. We will read the Word of God to learn His will. And we will be able to bear and do all things, giving our full and complete trust in God. So that's how we can conclude. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God calls us through the scripture today to run the race that is set before us. And to do that, first of all, ponder the race run by the Old and New Testament ages, the people, the saints of the Old and New Testament. How they lived lives of faith and powered by the Spirit as they looked to Christ and to God for salvation. And that's also then what we must do too. Focus on Jesus Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For he has achieved what we seek. And he will lead us as well to that finish line. Amen. Well, let's now respond to this message by singing the hymn that is based on these words. Hymn 43, Lo, what a cloud of witnesses encompass us around men once like us with sufferings tried, but now with glory crowned. That's hymn 43. We'll sing all verses and let us also then stand to sing.